Yo, what's going on guys? Rob Childs here and I feel like today's podcast is something that I need to keep going more with. This is more who I am. This is more of an actual conversation. I feel like before I've been trying to keep this formal. I've been trying to figure out my voice, you know, the character that I'm playing and I'm realizing that there is no character. I already have a voice. I'm I'm already me and I need to keep going with who I am and be genuine to who I am because that's going to come through in these conversations. They're going to be more enjoyable and you're going to want to come back for more. Just like my girl Monique. This girl is, I don't really know how to say it. She's, she does not back down from a fight. Uh, medical, professional, I, I, I wouldn't want to meet her on the street either, so physical. But she's been through the medical ringer. I know what that's like. If you've been following me at all, you know that like I've had a very extensive medical history. And I think she, she's got me beat, man. She's got like 14 diagnoses, uh, a couple degrees up on the back of her wall. And she's a very accomplished, very well-respected woman in her field and across the internet. So hopefully you can give her some love. I'm going to put all of her online social media things in the description below this podcast. And she's also going to tell you a little bit about herself and where you can reach her, her books, her website, everything. Just please send her some love and enjoy this conversation with a woman who is nothing less than a fighter. Not technically live, but we're recording now. <laughs> so, sort of live. Yeah, sort of live. Like, we're live. Everybody listening to it is not live. So we've tried to do this. This is the second time. And we've had like a couple conversations over like the span of like a month or whatever it was. And I've been excited to get you on because I haven't found somebody that I've been able to talk to that's gone through the medical ringer like I've gone through. And so to actually get somebody else's perspective on what's going on uh, is kind of exciting for me in a really weird, awkward way. Me um, too. So I'm excited to hear your story. Um, so if you wouldn't mind just kind of uh, introducing yourself to my listeners, kind of telling me a little bit about yourself, then we can just kind of get into how you have 14 diagnosis on your body so we'll get to that in a little bit and uh yeah if you don't mind just a quick little intro and a little bit about yourself sure let's start off with the the confusion about the- <laughs> all right so um my name is patricia monique shaw and the uh the people in my life know me as monique and the people in my profession but government um it's patricia monique shaw and I am going to say that this is my eighth year, probably going into nine with the diagnoses. And oh, what fun times, what a long time it has been. And right before we came here to, to start this wonderful thing, just came from my doctor's office. And let's share this story. This is yeah. actually a very interesting one. So I went for my uh, B12 shot because, as we know, people who have autoimmune disorders, we have um, a deficiency in certain vitamins and minerals. So I had had to get that wonderful shot. Um, And so I go in the office and the wonderful nurse there, oh, God bless her heart. Um, I walk in and um, I don't look like I have these 
disorders and diseases. I happen to look good because God is amazing. And I go in and why are you here? You don't look like you should be here. You don't look. And I appreciate that because, oh my goodness, you just lifted my ego for the day. I tell her that. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I said, I'm here for the beach. And she said, oh, okay, because you don't look like you said. I said, well, thank you very much because I have a lot of chronic illnesses. <laughs> and so we walk into the office and uh, because she's not actually part of the, the, the team that I am a part of. Um, that woman was down the hall. So we're talking and I tell her, I share with her. Um, so I have, you know, fibromyalgia, neuropathy. I have uh, lupus symptoms and mess symptoms. And, and she goes, looks at me again, because that's exactly what happens whenever I talk about my story. They look at me again because I do not look like I have these things going on. Yeah. And she said, wow. And I said, yeah, but it's a total of around about 14. She said, what? But here's the thing. Um, you mentioned how I look really good and that not how we started off. Didn't start off that way. And so as she's getting the stuff ready, she said, Are you here for a B12 shot? Yes, I am. So well, get my stuff ready. All right, we're getting ready for this needle. I hate needles, but let's do it. And she tells me that her daughter actually uh, works in the emergency room. And her daughter is 23. And I know where this is going because I've talked to hundreds of people over the years. And the story is going exactly the way I She said her daughter works in the emergency department. She has a chronic illness. She said, doctors tell her, you're too finish your sentence. You're too young to have these things wrong with you. Yep. Right? She said, yes. She said exactly what they told me. Because eight years ago, when my body started to break down and deteriorate, she said yes, because uh, she actually sat one day for 12 hours waiting for because they just did not take it seriously. And I told her, I said, yes, you know, see me today walking with a little swag, you know, saunter. You wouldn't know that I went from a walker to a cane, to bumping into every wall. I was a fall risk for three years. And now I walk like there's not a whole lot wrong with me. If you catch me on the right day, okay? But if you catch me like last week, I had a flare up. You're going to see that I have issues. And actually, you wouldn't know that I'm having severe back issues today. You wouldn't know that I'm actually having pleuritis issues today because when you have chronic illnesses, you start to learn if you're strong enough. And that's what I'm working with people on. That's why I do pro bono. I'm a licensed social worker. You learn how to adapt. You learn how to overcome. You learn how to work with your illness so that you can become stronger than it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, it's crazy because I get the same thing. Um, I'll go into a doctor's office and they they refer to me as muscly at times or like you're too young to have this or how are you, you know, how are you functioning, you know, like with having like PV, like a cancer diagnosis on top of fibromyalgia and these clinical trial drugs and all this stuff. 
what they don't see is that I used to own a Jeep and a Harley. I had to get rid of both of them because I couldn't drive with them anymore. I now drive a an Outback that I had to have a fanny pack because I couldn't put stuff in my pockets. Um, I had to have one of those cushioned, like the seats, you know, just so I could be able to drive. And even that was extremely painful. Like keys in my pocket felt like grenades, like getting pushed around hospitals by strangers because I can't make it to my next appointment. You know, and those are all the things that people don't see. So now when I do see somebody and they're like, oh, I'm just not feeling good today. It's like you are literally wasting an opportunity. <laughs> it, it, it's hard for me to hear when people are like, well, how do you do this? You know, and that, like you said, you adapt, like you have to learn how to stretch, which is a, a weird thing that, you know, like I feel like a lot of people should be doing more of. But if you can't use like my thumbs, sometimes like I can't use my thumbs very well. So I've just learned to kind of tuck it back there almost and it's got a stronger grip that way in a, in a weird way, but you do, you learn how to adapt and to other people that may look good, but like, those are just haters, you know, like, I know I look good. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, that, you do, you do look good. You but do. yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, like, thank you, you know, but like, don't make it seem like this is easy type thing because and that's the double-edged sword with that yeah. i i actually do hate it when people tell me i just talked to someone about this in uh, a few days ago we don't really like it when people tell us how strong we are mm-hmm. how good we look um because what you are doing is you are downplaying how hard it is for us to manage with this stuff. Yeah. So it's 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 supposed to be a compliment, but it is hard. It is hard. You know, I'm a single parent. My daughter turns 11 tomorrow, right? Ooh, congratulations. Right? Ooh, ooh. I may hey, I kept a human being alive this long. <laughs> and <Right. laughs> I, I'm excited. Every parent who kept a child alive, kudos to you. Yeah, that's Shout a out. win. <laughs> You know, but it's um, it is very difficult because when you have chronic illnesses, uh, a lot of people downplay there are illnesses. And I was giving um, an education uh, talk about the differences. There are illnesses where you are sick that uh, that level every single day. And then there are illnesses where you might be a five one day. You might be an eight the next. You could mm-hmm. be a one the next. The level it varies in intensity from day to day. And you really have to respect the, the degrees of illness that every individual carries. And it takes so much work. And it takes so much effort and strength and willpower to survive on a day-to-day basis and do more than that, thrive. Because we don't want to just survive on this planet. We want to thrive. It is not enough to just be merely content. I want to be happy. I want to be joyous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I have to wake up a little early to get everything kind of like set for me to be able to look normal. And it seems like the rest of the population wakes up and they're ready to go. Like they they start at like a zero. You know, I started like a negative five and I got to work up to be normal, to feel 
like I can function and then I still have these fights and you know like it's it's one of those things to where it, it breaks you down mentally sometimes and you have to kind of like just let go and be like how many more battles do I need you know and then but the next day you reset and you got to do it all over again which is yes. it's hard especially when it's expected when the people around you see you and they're like oh he's not that bad and then they hear everything you know and then they're like all right well how about thursday you want to do something thursday and you're like <laughs> nope i mean <laughs> we'll see <laughs> like i yeah like, you know Talk but- to me wednesday night yeah exactly yeah yeah so how about let's get into exactly like your story what like what exactly you have 14 diagnoses um you're a social worker you know you're you're successful you've gotten all these things going on how exactly did you go about finding out that you had something wrong to begin with because it always starts off it seems like something you know, that's just the one thing. And then it just starts stockpiling yeah. on top of it. And then next thing you know, you're a human pincushion and you feel like mm-hmm. a lab rat in an experiment and a maze that you can't get out of. And at the end of it, you get thrown out of a washing machine. You have no idea what happened. You look back and 15 years went by in 30 seconds. So I love how you put that. The yeah. way that you put it exactly. Um, I don't yeah. think I could put it better myself, but what I will do is Take what you, um, how you put that, and then I'll just interject my personal story into that. Yeah, for sure. Um, what you said is accurate. It people think that, and this is one thing that I really did not understand about chronic illnesses and diagnoses. And people think that you know somebody will say, "So yes, I have fibromyalgia. I have um, you know lupus. I was diagnosed with." And you think that the person walked into the doctor's office and they walked out with a diagnosis. Heck no, that's not how it worked at all. Mm. That is not how our society works. Um, (laughs) When people say, I got the diagnosis after 10 years, they are absolutely right. That is not a small, insignificant statistic. That is not an outlier. That is how the majority of it works. If you get a diagnosis within six months or a year, hats off to you. Hand clap because that is not how any of this works. Um, Sometimes it's like getting an appointment for a doctor within six months. (laughs) I actually have an appointment um, in December that I've been waiting for a couple of months for, and this is part of my actual specialist team. Yeah, (laughs) has been a member of my team for years. (laughs) Yeah, so like I still want to like I want you to keep going on the track you're on. But it is hilarious to me when you be at an office in July and they'll be like, how does December 14th at one o'clock look to you? Absolutely. How, how do you terrible. answer that? How does anybody on the planet answer that question? Or is it just me? I answer that truthfully. And I say, um, that looks terrible. I'm so sorry. Wasn't this supposed to be important? What's your <laughs> next available appointment? See, I'm very real. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And so we we shoot from the hip. We tell you straight. And I say that looks horrible. <laughs> but <laughs> but what most of the population does, and I am an advocate. I always have been an advocate for people in general. That's the whole reason why I got into this field to begin with. And once I became afflicted with chronic illnesses, I became even more of an advocate because now I'm on the other side. So I started off on one side where I was part of the process to help people. And then I was on the other side where I now understand 
even more why people hate healthcare professionals. I understood it before, but now I really understand. Oh, yeah. It's because healthcare professionals, you, you're not seeing people as people. You're really seeing them as numbers. And that is not helpful at all. You're, you're telling people things like you're too young. Um, you're looking at the, the sheet. You're looking at the results from the exam. And then you're discounting it. We are supposed to be helpers. I say we because high degrees. And I still have a couple more that I can't even put on the wall because it'll look too cluttered. I'm part of the process. And we have people who don't want to come to us because they are afraid of being judged. So I'm sorry I sidetracked for a bit. No, no, but... you're good. Well, how about how about <laughs> let's talk about your degrees? Like, like floss out a little bit, you know, like what what have you accomplished? Because I know there's some people that feel like you can't accomplish anything once you get a diagnosis. So what well, these these were ones that and and I'll, I will talk about that for a bit because um one of the things I like to to talk about is when you have chronic illness. And particularly when you have those that affect you neurologically. So um, one of the initial diagnoses that I got was the brain demyelination, which was one of the reasons why they believed that I had MS. So I have MS symptoms. I don't have the actual diagnosis. Um, I had the MS foot drop. I've learned how to um, utilize the muscles in this in my right side. So I know what it's like to have that extreme discomfort. I know what it's like to lay in the bed and it's so hard to describe, but it's not pain, but it is so discomfortable. You really want to detach that leg and put it aside and tell it to come back when it's feeling better. Um, walking, that is the leg that led to me bumping into things because you can't have, you can't move it. It's like those muscles just went on vacation. And so that's why I tripped a lot. That's why I fell a lot, because it just does not move. I recorded myself in year two. Uh, so this started in 2013, so probably 2015. I actually recorded myself, and I'm going to probably post it when I find it, because I have so many of them. Um, recorded myself walking in, in Pittsburgh is the area called Squirrel Hill. And this was right before... I took uh, one of my neighbors, hey, shout out to Kelly. Um, <laughs> she told me as I walked into um, the store that she managed, she said, I watched you come in here and neither came. And I am a very, was very proud individual. And this is a problem for a lot of people who you go from the person was you were. I was, I worked two jobs since I was 16. I signed my first lease from my apartment when I was 17. I'd been to a lot of different states. I was independent. If I wanted something, I went and got a job. <laughs> I covered it myself. I had, I was in college at 17. I had to wait. They didn't allow us to just be in college at that age. I received awards. I was in academic Olympics. I did a lot. I accomplished a lot. My first degree is in office administration and technology. Uh, my second degree is in applied developmental psychology, University of Pittsburgh. Um, last degree was a master's in social work. 
I'm a licensed social worker. I also have two certificates. One is from Long Island University in web page design. The other one is in child welfare. That's from the University of Pittsburgh. Um, I did a lot. I accomplished a lot. All of my academic degrees, I graduated top of my class. You go from that and you start getting diagnoses, but they're not just physical. They do not just affect you walking. They then affect your brain. In year two, I could not remember anything past Freud. I could not remember Eric Erickson, his theories. I had studied about six or seven family therapy. I was certified by the state of Pennsylvania in trauma-focused CBT. I was certified in applied behavior analysis. I could not remember any of this. I could not have a conversation. I was afflicted with aphasia, which is dropping of words. I have all of these degrees and they don't mean anything. I've talked to a lot of people who have had anywhere from one to two to three degrees to doctorates even who've said the same exact thing when they've been afflicted with chronic illnesses and anything neurological. And that is killer. I cried. I was depressed. I had anxiety. I never had a single potential that happened. Then I had three to four a week. It was hard. It was depressing. And I went from wanting to take on the world to wanting God to end my life. Then one day, said enough. I have a daughter and I have to figure something out. And even with not being able to string a sentence together, I said, I have to take it one day at a time. And so that was the beginning. It was a downhill spiral from blood clots that they couldn't find to brain demyelination to uh, L4, L5, L6 in the bottom of your, of your spine to cervical spine to searings in the spine. I mean, you name it, every single MRI came back bad. And it was 2013, 14. I failed the stress test. <laughs> it was horrible. You go from going to the gym three to four days a week for years, uh, trophy, medal from your youth for push-ups, pull-ups, volleyball, bench press, things that my daughter continues to look at and she just, my daughter does not know me for being well because I've been sick. That was what my life was. Yeah. Period on that. Yeah, it, yeah, it's stupid canon. Um, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's it, difficult for the technology too. See that? I know, right? Yeah, it's so. All right, I gotta. It's difficult to hear that. Um, to hear you say that, and not difficult. It's difficult reliving it. I'm actually gonna get. Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's so. It's it's not difficult, but to hear someone else go through it, um, it almost kind of like makes me relive it. So I I remember like when I was. I was like one of the bigger guys in the gym, you know, like I was basically a walking ego, 
And then I started riding around in a Harley and like the summer came and I had a Jeep, you know, and like the top off and like, it was like the, <laughs> the, the 13 year old kid within me was having fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And then all these things start happening. And like you said, the, the neurological symptoms, those start, you know, and it is hard to have a conversation and then you can't find the word. Uh, and it's never like uh, this extravagant word. It's a very simple <laughs> right. word or like somebody's name and you have a conversation and you forgot what the subject was in the middle of your sentence, you know, yeah. and it was almost like I remember Googling, like just trying to go through like all of like my psych classes and trying to remember like what is going on. And like, I was like, am I experiencing an ego death? You know, like trying to get like super deep, like, is this what's going on? Like, what is going on? And it's it's literally getting humbled down to this like very raw there's nothing down there but emotion and in your own thoughts you know and getting down there and having to pull yourself up every single day is part of that struggle that comes also with the physical part and you're not guaranteed to win that fight you know like every day and so that's it's it's difficult to hear somebody else knowing what that feels like and to know that you keep doing it. Cause like, I look at you right now, you look healthy. You look like nothing's wrong with you, but I know you've been up a lot longer than most people. You've already gotten done a lot more than most people are ever going to give you credit for, (laughs) you know? And those are the fights that you have to do behind closed doors that you wish other people could see when they see you walking on the street. But at the same time, that's, it's, it's like your time, you know, you don't want people to see that. So it is, it's weird to hear people or to hear other people say that. So you keep bringing up all these diagnoses. Can you rattle off all 14 of them? Just bang, bang, bang. Like, do you have that list memorized? I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah right. Memorized. You're funny. Uh, but what I can do, <laughs> because I am currently working on a book. And so that is the reason why I know the number. I only know the number because I'm working. Let's do um, go through those. To get the book right, so let us find that, shall we? Yeah, definitely. I'm. Yeah, I know you told me at one point what they were, but remembering fourteen different things. <laughs> yes, is... exactly. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. Remember them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what we have is um, arthralgia, chronic. Urticara, uh, brain demyelination. Uh, there's the elevated sedimentation rate, which is the thing that tells the doctors um, that there is something wrong, but it doesn't tell them what is actually wrong with you. Fibromyalgia, neuropathy. Um, then there's the separate one, which is the osteoarthritis, which I thought was w- weird. This two separate things. I actually have sleep apnea, which is weird. I, I kept forgetting. I know. I. I when you go through your medical history, it's a very interesting thing because it's things you forgot about. Uh, polymorphic light eruption. That's the thing where I remember I told you I'm a vampire. Yeah. So um, I'm allergic to the sun. Um, it is, and I don't know if you see them, but when you have an allergy to the sun, uh, the UV rays give you these um, blisters. And because I haven't been out that much, might not be able to see like the little white exactly 
Really? Exactly. And um, in the summer, they were really, really bad. On Instagram, I did take a couple of um, some videos, and they are on our Instagram. It's actually pretty bad. What happens if you are out in the sun for a while um, and with the polymorphic light eruption is along with that comes um, dizziness, uh, vertigo, nausea. It, it actually can affect you a lot. And I, I believe it's, um, if you go onto my, my website, stayzen.org, there's a whole blog post about uh, polymorphic light eruption, just in case you're interested. There's a small percentage of the population who have that where you can't toughen your skin. So in the spring, if you go outside just a few hours a day before the summertime, you can toughen your skin. Unfortunately, I'm one of people who it doesn't matter. So what you can do is put on long sleeves and they have these, um, these the, the clothing that has the threads in them that protects you from the sun. If you do that, then the parts that you covered up can protect you and you don't have these things. Put the sun hat on. Okay. Unfortunately, didn't work for me. What I found was even the parts that were covered, like my back, um, I had pants on. I don't wear shorts. Everything is covered in these. So moving on. Damn. I know. Solar dermatitis. Um, apparently there's something wrong with my wrist called ulnar abutment syndrome of the wrist. Um, there's some sort of uh, x-rays and MRIs that they did in 2016 that explained that. And then they told me that I needed surgery. And I said, no, thank you. That was the end of that. Convergence insufficiency. Um, what that means is, here's a real quick story about that. You don't, we'll say you pass out, but you are conscious. Okay. Eyes roll back in your head. You cannot communicate with people. Um, your vocal cords do not work. You're trying to communicate. But you know, you can hear everything that's going on around you. This, uh, this lasts for me around about anywhere from two to five minutes. That's called convergence insufficiency. They have not figured out exactly what causes that. They believe it could be linked to the syrinx in the spine. My specialist team is still trying to figure that out. I have figured out that if I focus, I know this is going to sound like magic, guys. <laughs> I focus really hard. I can stop that from happening. But again, this is a problem. And so I can't really drive long distances because picture what happens if you have this happen and you're driving. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a good time. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, this did happen while I was in the car with my mother. My, my dad had the stroke. We were on the way to the hospital to see him in New York and my mother was driving the car. My daughter was in the back. Not a good. Yeah. Kudos to my mom. Shout out to my mom. I love you, mom. Uh, my mom did not record. Strong woman right there. I was in the hospital. They kept me there for about three days. I was down the hall. Wow. That was in 
2019. Yeah. You you wanted this, right? Yeah, yeah, keep it coming. <laughs> Um, uh, I have a renal cyst. Some of those are not complex. Uh, they're simple. Mine is not. Good times, right? We talked about that syrinx in my spine. Um, they can't remove that because it's attached to the spine. Yeah. You can't do anything with that. Um, I have a, and, and I'm going to say this and you're going to laugh because I have so many other serious things. So I have a disc herniation. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, for, uh, for some people, that puts people down. I've known people that that's like the only thing, and then they're on disability, like they can't work anymore. So, yeah. It, yeah. For me, I'm kind of like, eh. and then I, I'll be honest with you, people, you know, when they say, so you have fibromyalgia, that's terrible. And I go, you know, in the scheme of things, I got other things. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, vagal syncope. It's funny because I didn't know that there was a word before that until I went through my um, medical history. And I just kept calling it to say what syncope is. For uh, layman's terms, like people like me who don't really. Uh, syncope is a drop ball. Here's, I know, I just told you about something else that was a little yeah. bit worse than that. There's a drop ball. Drop ball is I'm standing, knees buckle, I fall. And this has freaked my family out and friends out because you literally just fall. You don't pass out, but you could be standing and you just fall. No rhyme, no reason. Just happens. Yeah. Yeah. And people are freaked out. And then I'm on the floor and then uh, like, you okay. We need to take it to the, eh, just give me a second. I'll, I'll be back up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because I've got so many other things going on. I got vertigo, um, which actually is part of the vestibular balance disorder. So I've learned how to conquer that as well. Yeah. Uh, vestibular balance disorder sucks. And for those people who don't actually know what that is, some people confuse dizziness with vertigo. It's completely different things. Vertigo is the entire room spinning off its axis. It sucks. Uh, any questions? Do you throw up when that happens? Like, do you get nausea? Definitely, yes. Oh, yes, okay. it's bad. As a yeah. matter of fact, um, we could talk about the fact that, yes, I am in martial arts with my daughter. And um, a friend of mine watched the process of me getting ready for it because everybody thinks it's fabulous and it's wonderful. Nobody actually knows what I do to get ready for it. Yeah. And when I say that I have a vertigo attack, um, either a vertigo attack or right before I have a vertigo attack, I ask for permission to take a break every single class. It is hard, difficult to do this with all of the chronic illnesses that I have. Mm -hmm but I do it. Yeah, let's talk about that. So, well, a couple of things besides, I do not want to discredit everything you just said, because holy shit, that was a lot. <laughs> God is amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I could break that down into a million different things I wanted to say, but I really want to get into, all right, so you're doing the martial arts thing. Um, 
I started doing jujitsu, so I, I get getting ready for it. Hey, you um, told me about that. Yeah, my my instructor actually knows what's going on with me, and so like I can you know hit the the pause button if I need to or walk out yes. or whatever. That's but, important, uh, by the way. Yeah, yeah, especially if that's the person handing out your belt system, and you have to trust them with your life. Um, mm-hmm. But what I want to know about is is kind of i don't want to know if it's going to be sensitive i guess but the relationship that you have with your daughter so you went through you have all these degrees and you're extremely successful this whole thing happened and then but while everything is happening with you medically you have a child and you know you have an 11 year old daughter how do you and you're a single parent so you're not just like you know, raising the kid. And then when you don't feel good, somebody else is taken over so you can go lay in bed. What is that? I guess like everybody can kind of paint the picture on how difficult that is. I'm more curious about the relationship that you have with your daughter. How has that everything that you have, has that affected you? Um, and in what ways has that affected your relationship? And when did it kind of start, you know, like compared to like your daughter's life? Um, how does that kind of like play in? It is, um, it, it's so multifaceted. And, um, and I have no, no issue with answering that. Um, it's, again, something that I, I discuss um, in, the, in the groups that I moderate, because I think it's so important for, for parents to real with their with their children particularly if you have chronic illnesses I have always been a perfectionist and when people say to me I'm so sorry about you know what happened to you going through what I've told them is aside from the pain you can't do without that but this has helped me to appreciate life more I was so wrapped up in the attainment of things and accomplishment of things, I really don't think that I stopped to uh, much enjoyment of anything. And the the perfectionist in me was so enamored with everything. Everything had to be just. So I think that what this experience gave me was the ability to be a little more easy with myself because one of the things that and I still struggle with this when you're not able to sweep a floor you can't put dishes in the dishwasher because you physically bend there are some things that you just do around your house and I struggled with that at the beginning and um, I actually do have a couple of workshops that no plugs but one of the things that I found that people who have to transition to this part of life is understanding how to give yourself grace, understanding that sometimes the dishes just have to stay in the sink, understanding that um, sometimes that pile of clothes is just going to have to sit there. And one of the things that helped me with my daughter, because she is a perfectionist and she Uh, needs to have everything just so. Watching me let things go helped her a lot. When she was four, probably three or four, she asked me if I was okay. And I kept telling her I was. 
But how could how could she believe that when she was watching me stumble into walls, fall? I keep telling people Pittsburgh is hilly, so I've fallen on every hill <laughs> outside. <laughs> um, she's watched all of that. And then you you hear your mom lie to you and say, I'm okay. Because we as parents do that. Tell our kids we're okay. We tell kids that things are going to be okay. And that's not true. One day I told her when she asked me if I was okay, I sat down and I said, you know, I'm not okay. You know, mommy's in pain. You see that. But here's what I will say. I'm going to be okay. And we're going to be okay. My daughter has trichotillomania. She has had it since she was around about four years old. What exactly is that? She pulls her hair out. She pulls her hair out. Oh, okay. And she is anxious, stressed, um, you know, that sort of thing. And when I shared with her the truth about how I felt, what my situation was, kids are more perceptive than adults give them credit for. We're lying to them, but they know that we're lying to them. When I shared that with her, she stopped doing that. She felt better. I could see that because what she was doing is she was internalizing everything. She knew I wasn't okay. So how did this affect our relationship? Growing up with a mother, with a parent who is, is sick, whether it's a one-parent household or a two-parent household, is hard for a child. And the more you try to hide that from them, the worse it is for them because they're taking that on. And so I try to teach parents in, in parenting groups and just in, in general to be real with them. And there was a parent who she said she had trichotillomania, the, the hair pulling. Mm -hmm. And she was a she was a parent, a single parent as well. And she shared something similar as well. The more honest she was with her child, the better her child's symptoms were. My daughter, um, she she shared with people that watching me overcome a lot of the things that I have had to deal with because she remembers the walker, the cane. Um, the the times when I wasn't able to do anything. And no, I do not have the luxury of laying in bed all day. <laughs> but when I couldn't get out of the bed, but so often, I had her bring her homework into my room so that she could do her homework in there. We played cards on my bed. Um, when I had to lay on the couch and I, because I couldn't move very often, we moved the activity to wherever I was so that I could engage with her there. So she remembers us engaging even during the times in which I was not able to do a lot. So she tells people, we make moves, we don't make excuses. I just kept saying it. I didn't mean for it to be a mantra. Is it hard? It is absolutely hard because I don't have the uh, the ability to get up and go and, and do all the stuff that uh, somebody who doesn't have the, the illnesses does. But I think that it spurs me on to show her role model for her, give her an example 
and to give her the ability to not make excuses. Yeah, I wasn't. So you just said something and I, I had to write it down. You said we make moves, not excuses. Um, so it's not that I was not paying attention. I needed to to write that down because I feel like more people need to hear that. You know, like excuses are almost like a, a default for people on why they can't do things. Um that I, I hate that. So I needed I needed to write that down. Um, but also hearing like you talk about like, you know, playing cards on your bed, doing homework or, you know, whatever with your daughter where you are so you can engage in the activity scares the crap out of me. So because I'm engaged and um, as soon as I'm done with my master's, she's wanting to, you know, like then the wedding happens and she's wanting to have a child. And that's well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, I think. <laughs> um, but the reason why I say I think is because that's the scariest thing in the world to me, because I don't know what's going to happen to me in three hours. You know, I don't know if like I go in for lab draws, if they're going to allow me to leave or they're going to be like, oh, wait, wait, wait. You know, like we need you. And then I'm I'm stuck in the hospital and then my family's stuck, you know, back at home and my kid won't get to see me. And that is an extremely scary thing, let alone, I don't know what a successful family looks like, you know, growing up in a single parent household, it was like, you know, I was like your daughter in the situation, you know, with like my mom, it was like, we were friends, we were best friends trying to figure it out, you know? Um, and so going into it, knowing that I have these illnesses before I even like start the child process is a scary deterrent. Um, so like the, we make moves, not excuses thing, you know, like that, that resonated with me because that's how I've tried to live my life except on, on that front. You know, it's like, it seems like, oh, well, I don't want to think about actually doing it because I may not be good at it or I may not be able to, you know, and I know I'm not the only one that thinks like that either. Um, a lot of people do it, just not very transparent. I think that your parents did a good job because look at what you're doing now. Yeah, it, but it's hard to see that though, right? Like, I know, like, grow, like growing up, I used to think, you know, like, well, you're a parent, you should have this figured out by now. And looking back at but it now, <laughs> she was 24, you know, like she was like, my mom had me when she was 17. She was a child. She had no idea what she was doing with her life, let alone trying me trying to figure out you know she can't do that and so it, it, it's easy to put the blame on somebody else when the reality is like it's it's up to me you know like mm-hmm. I, I, once you get a certain age you got to figure out your own path and you got to start just pushing and not using these crutches that it feels like society has just become okay with on why you can't do things or why you haven't been successful and it's it's not okay with me it's it's not something that I like doing so what would you tell people that are going through you know like tough times through struggles through whatever it is um, and you may even have these talks with like your clients or in your group settings is how do you get people out of that, that funk, that dark spot, you know, like that, the crying on your kitchen floor type, type spot 
to being able to sit down and have an intellectual conversation and walk around and being on the positive swing, because it does feel like once you get thrown into the medical system, you it's it's a pendulum and you never get to be in the middle you know it's never great or bad or you know it's always good or bad that middle spot is where you want to be and it's a weird thing but it's this it's these swings so how can you get people to out of that negative swing and more towards the positive because once the positive swing starts happening if it seems like everything starts to get better like you were talking about how you can mentally stop um, the thing that's happening in your car. I apologize. I don't remember the name for it. Um, so you had 400 of them, but the power of your mind is extremely strong and you may be able to push yourself to do things you don't think you can do or stop, you know, illnesses. Um, so how can you, from your experience, your professional experience, kind of get people into that positive you know, aspect of life to start fixing things and to get in a better mindset? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I'm a big proponent of cognitive behavior therapy. I always have been. And cognitive behavior therapy, your your thoughts influence your feelings, your feelings influence your, your behavior. And so, I mean, when, when we say mind over matter, it is so incredibly true. And these are cliches, but they're cliches for a reason. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you are absolutely right. So if I get up in the morning and I say, I'm going to have a terrible day, everything that you come across is going to be bad and terrible because you have now programmed your mind to see everything as negative and terrible. But if I get up and I say, I'm going to have a great day, I have now programmed in my mind to look at everything as positive, period. So it's all about how you set your mind up. You have the power to do all the law of attraction is real. It is absolutely real. What we have taught our, our clients is working a lot of people with domestic violence. And as a survivor of domestic violence and abuse, I have to say that this one thing is real. If you have a history of being with people who have treated you a certain way, and it doesn't even have to be abuse or violence, you find yourself with people who have always spoiled you, always given you money, always treated you right. There's something about you that attracts those people. If you've always been around people who have treated you wrong, taken advantage of you, there's something about you that attracts those people. And so what you have to do is you have to program your mind differently so that you attract different things. It's about your mindset. So what was it that caused me to go from, Lord, I don't want to be here anymore. This is too much. The polymorphic light eruption, heat activates all of this. And to be honest with you, when you go into the shower and you are scrubbing and you're just like, I have no idea of what I'm going to do. And you lay on your bed and you feel as though there are insects. I actually did describe it on the blog. It's terrible. There are insects on the inside of your skin just crawling everywhere. And it hurts and it itches and it's everywhere from head to toe. 
Does it feel and like you, I got to know this really quick and then I want you to keep going. Does mm-hmm. it feel like when your foot falls asleep and then you stand up and try to walk that tingling, burning no, internal that's pain? neuropathy. Oh, okay. Well, no, no, that's neuropathy. Yeah. So I have neuropathy that happens on my fingertips, but the, that feeling, yep, I got that too. I'll get that in my actual muscle, but it's like a deeper, you know, like a, like that neuropathy feeling coming from the bone out on steroids. Like it's gotten some strength. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to. Yeah. That's neuropathy. That's different. Uh, Take the worst itch you've ever felt and then put that everywhere. And now take an intense burning feeling, add that to the itch. I don't even know how to to describe that, but that's what we're going to do and put that everywhere. And now go ahead and uh, pretend that there are insects on the outside and inside of your skin everywhere from head to toe. That is polymorphic light eruption on steroids. And that was the day where I said, if I have to go through this every day, God, I don't want to be here anymore. (laughs) That was enough. So what made, what made, I mean, that's just one of the the things. The other one was the the panic attacks, the end panic attacks. Um, it wasn't just, you know, people think depression is I'm sad and I just don't like life. That's not it. Depression is the the endless weight just pressing on you, um, feeling as if you have no support. Like people really do have the the definitions of things completely confused. Trauma is another one. Ah, there, Trauma is another one. I'm, I'm really annoyed about this. Uh, trauma is not just I am having a bad day. Trauma is something that's deep set that actually affects the trajectory of your life. So, I mean, these are other things, but what is it that, that you can, you can do change the way that you are looking at things? It is not going to be another person. People should not be the reason that you change. You can change because of your child, but what happens if your child, like mine, Gets on your nerves the next day. Is that going to be the reason for you to change? You should change because, man, it could be better. It could be better. But you can be better, too. That's the whole thing. You, everything, one of, one of the things for my the webinar that I have coming up that I'm going to be presenting, nothing lasts forever. So if you are in the pit of despair, um, if you are on an eight with 10 being, I should be at the hospital. One being everything is great. If you're on an eight, that's not going to last forever. It just isn't because that's not how this world works. If you are feeling joy, it might not last forever, but guess what? It will come back and you can create your own joy. I am at peace. I am so at peace that when somebody gets on my nerves, they got to go. I'm going to create my own circle of people. I am not going to allow anybody who is not about positivity to be in my circle. And if you are about positivity, if you are bringing joy to my land, hang out with me. Let's get to know each other. But you can absolutely find happiness. You can create your happiness. You don't even have to go out to find it. Self-care. I keep telling people it is more than just a bath. I had my uh, friend cracking up because I was going through my workshop with him and he said, I don't even have chronic illnesses and I'd sign up for it because you have to 
find things that you like to do. People think self-care is optional. It's not optional. Today, literally today, figure out what you haven't been doing that you like to do and go do it. I don't care if it was a hobby that you dropped before playing the piano, writing a song. I don't care, but do something because I didn't do this before. And then I started doing it and I'm just so much happier. And that's what you have to do. I feel like I owe you like a therapy session for you right now. <laughs> Cause I'm actually so like, all right, the panic attack thing, I thought those were fake to be to be clear. Like I, I didn't believe in them until it happened to me, you know, and everything was going on. Um it, like it seems like my dog is like on her last leg. Everything in the world was crashing down. And I had a panic attack and it, it changed everything. Um that's how it always works though, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was almost like being, you know, having everything, all these chronic illnesses wasn't enough. It was like, oh, by the way, your brain's jumbled now and you're adding too much to your plate. So let's just shut your body off for a quick reset. And I was actually Mm -hmm. driving and my vision just started going. And like, I had to like pull over super quick. I called my fiance. I made it to our to our house she came out to the parking lot and like had to sit in the car and my body's just, you know, freaking out. I'm covered in sweat. Like we had to like bring my dog out. And then after that, I was like, okay, you know, what was that? Um, and I've had to set boundaries now. Um, you know, if people are mm-hmm. being extremely negative, I feel that. And I, and people don't understand what I mean when I say I feel that I feel it as in like, like with fibromyalgia, you can get depressed and like upset and it has like this radiating effect of stress. But also like, I don't need to carry the weight of your burdens on a daily basis and have that in my mind. I only have so much that I can have playing through my thoughts. And if it's not positive, I don't want it. I've had to set boundaries with people and even cut people out of my life and they don't understand. And it, it comes off as I'm being rude or being a jerk or you know like whatever expletive you want to throw in there but and it's but it's boundaries yeah and those are things that people aren't comfortable with have you had that pushback as well um just by setting those oh absolutely yes and you know what um it's another we've been running rooms all all year for um from our company and and that's something that i definitely another part of the workshop. I, I encourage people. And not only do I encourage people to do, I, I tell you, you have to do it. You have to do it because if you do not set these boundaries and you do not understand that there are people, as a matter of fact, I don't know if we have time or if you want to, but there is a spoken word piece that I wrote specifically covering this. And um, it talks about this specific topic. The fact that you have to set boundaries and that there are people in your life who are not going to be appreciative of the fact that you did set these boundaries, but you have to. And when you set boundaries, what this means is I say I don't draw lines in the sand. People say that draw lines in the sand. No, I draw lines and they're concrete. It's in concrete. okay? because you draw lines in the sand. And what happens when wind comes along, blows it away. You don't know what that line is. And neither does anybody else. Lines, concrete. And here's what I expect when I, 
became, when I had these chronic illnesses, I had to have some space. And then I had to have some conversations. And I had a breakdown one time with, with some family members. And here's what I said. I can't do this. I can't do this because I have some issues. I also have another one, tachycardia. Tachycardia is your heart rate is higher. It beats mm -hmm. faster when you're at rest. So right now, it just does this. So what happens if you annoy me, if I allow you to irritate me? Well, now my blood pressure rate hits the roof and all sorts of bad things happen. So on a normal basis, I have to be, I, this is my, this is one of my other pieces. I have to be mild. <laughs> I have to be at peace and I have to be calm. And so I set boundaries and I let other people know. And what's going to happen? You're going to find out who is really supportive of you. You're going to find out who's really on your side. The people who are on your side are going to do this. For example, some friends and some family members are going to say this. You have illnesses and you deserve to be happy. And then the other people are not going to be supportive. And they're going to say this. Why aren't you around? Why can't you? Why aren't you? You're not available. And it's those people that you need to cut off. And you're going to feel bad about it. But you can't. Because you deserve to be happy. And that's not cliche. That's actually true. You're worth it. And you need to be happy. And guess what? You have chronic illnesses. And you don't have time for that. Period. Exclamation point. Yeah. It's, it's easy to say. Um, <laughs> it's, and it's hard I, to do. Yeah, it's very hard to do. It's also hard for others to understand. Um, that's, the, that's the crappy part about it is... But you know what? You know what I learned? And I didn't mean to cut you off, but here's the thing. I don't care if you understand or not. And that's what you have to get to the point yeah. of. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, you said something I forgot. Oh, you so you keep bringing up this these workshops, um, in in your pieces. What exactly are these? Um, like who are they for? How can people see them? Um, and and you know, if you don't mind or you have the time, kind of like walking us through exactly what those are and how people can get to them and like sign up for them and everything. So I wasn't even going to talk about the workshops because that's something that I just started doing about a week ago. And it was because, like I said, all year we've been on Clubhouse just doing a lot of the, the helping folks, again, social worker, mental health yeah. <laughs> therapist. But um, over the last week, because there have been so many, uh, I'm on, I've been doing subreddits and I've been throwing some polls out there to, to help uh, people who have been afflicted with chronic illnesses and asking questions about, uh, we have a podcast coming up. I think I told you about that. We are launching yep. it in January. Okay. And you're definitely going to be on there, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm excited about that. Uh, but yes, we are going to be um, doing that. But because of all of the, the forums that I've been on and, and helping people on what I wanted to do was put together a webinar and a couple of courses um, because I have a private practice. And I thought that it would be so helpful just to, um, we talked about flare up. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I have been really successful 
is managing uh, my flare-ups. So preventing them, um, knowing how long they last, um, reducing the intensity of them. And I found out over the last year that not a lot of people are able to do that. And they kind of think it's like magic. So I said, instead of, you know, splitting this up amongst a whole bunch of different rooms that I moderate, why not just go ahead and do a workshop and um, get the word out about it that way? So I'm almost finished with it. And we're looking at launching this over the next couple of weeks. So um, the information will be on our website once we are able to get that. And what is the website? Stayzen.org. All right, and I didn't want to cut you off earlier, but you said if we had time um, for one of your like written the spoken words or whatever you were calling it, um, I definitely want to hear that. So like the time is completely up to you. We can, I want, I want to hear what that was and then, you know, kind of go through a couple other things and then I can get you out of here. Yes, I'm a poet and a spoken word artist. It just seemed that we we were going in that direction and because we were talking about boundaries. Yeah. Um, there are some some that I do that, you know, touch on that. And um, in one of the mental health rooms that we were doing, there were a lot of people who were dealing with trauma. And there was a piece that I wrote that was called At the Core. And when I do that piece, there are some people who um who are helped by it. So Although I said we weren't going to really go into that, uh, it just kind of came up. So I yeah. thought that that might be, you know, kind of kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I know. Like, so for me, I feel like I've had to kind of try to find different things of like a therapeutic outlet. Um, so it's it's a weird spot too because I feel like every therapeutic outlet almost has an art form to it, and with art comes vulnerable like you have to be vulnerable when it comes to like anything artistic um and so i started like vlogging or like doing like these weird things with my camera and then even like you know martial arts um you know going through that that's that's an art form and you are extremely vulnerable so when it comes to somebody else and there are i'm always interested in you know exactly what it is it kind of gives you an insight to like that person's not so much mind, but like your soul, you know, it kind of opens you up into like what you're feeling. So I definitely want to hear it and see if somebody else can get something out of it. All right. I have found it. Let's go. <clears throat> okay. This piece right here, it's called At the Core. I learned. That being alone doesn't mean that you are unloved. Does not mean that you are unworthy. Sometimes it merely means that you prefer your own scintillating company. Upon re-examination of my core beliefs, imagine my horror. Once comprehension unveiled the irrefutable truth that they no longer served me. They did not protect me. They did not nurture me. They did not keep me safe. So it was time to reevaluate. I've learned that coping skills should grow with you and mature accordingly. In other words, level up. 
Put some skill points in that bad boy. Seriously, are you using the same technology now that you were using five years ago? Then how are coping skills any different? I've revamped, revised, redesigned, and reconfigured my template too many times to count simply because adaptability is key to the humanity, or did we do away with that thought process too? Change or die, damn it. Give it time. Some of y'all are gonna be collapsed on the floor someday, choking on your own inability to roll with the punches you were too unmotivated to block, wishing you had more time in a world that values quantification over quality. I learned that in order to be truly free, there are some people you won't be able to take with you in your journey. And it's painful at first. No one ever tells you that cutting strings when they're made of flesh will make your heart ache in ways you never dreamed imaginable. That turning your back on that goblet filled with familiar blood will cause you to draw icicle question marks on that organ encased within your rib cage until it is completely frozen over like the tundra. That reclaiming your time to renew yourself comes with a price tag so high that priceless is completely inaccurate. The price was sleepless nights. Escape through your favorite form of sweet release of a bad-for-you habit that some would call an addiction. A toe, followed by a foot, then all in. That's how you trip down the rabbit hole, complete with a final stop at the residence of guilt. Because it's not just a trip. It's a mini vacation experience. I learned that sometimes the people you expect to be by your side during the midst of trying times are nowhere to be found. And that's okay. You expect it more. No, it's really okay. Who can you blame but yourself if you are constantly putting yourself out there for someone who does not return to sentiment? Be the change that you seek. And we can only change our reaction. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And in the midst of it all, we forgot that we could simply be proactive. And sometimes we should stop reacting. Thank you. Yo, <laughs> that was good. I, uh, I think I was one of those people that needed to hear that. It's Thank you. no, that was, that was really, really good. It's crazy because I'm actually in therapy, um, trying when you were talking about like the negative thoughts and everything, like that's actually me, you know, I wake up with a negative thought. I'll go to, you know, a restaurant expecting them to mess my order up. And they do every time, you know, um, I, I carry with me like this negative burden. It's almost like a cloud that I don't know how to wash off. So why are you saying, you know, like change your mindset that I'm actively working on that with my therapist. And then you go ahead and, and throw this out there. That was like, I, yeah, I'm going to have to cut that part, not cut it, but like separate that. So like, I can listen to that myself again, because I feel like more people desperately need to hear 
your spoken word. Um, do you have those like in a collection somewhere that people can? Um, well, that's the other podcast that um, that I'm the founder of, and that's the Give Me the Mic, and that's mic.org. We run that on. Uh, we used to run it on the first and third Fridays, but now we have moved to weekly. We are dancing. Nice, nice. I'm I have gonna... a couple of books that are coming out, so. And where are those coming out on? What are they called? Um, well, there are a couple of chat books that I have coming out, but just, I'm so busy. Um, but <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> but yes, I definitely do have one coming out this fall. That is, um, I think that first one is going to be uh, in honor of my daughter. And then other two are actually mental health related. And at the core is the one that I just want. That one is in one of the chat books. Okay, and where can where can we pick those up at when they are released? Uh, that will be part of GiveMeTheMic.org. You'll be able to find the information right there. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm definitely so I'm going to post all of this down below, like in the description um, when oh. I post this, because um, I definitely want everybody that listens to this to be able to connect with you and kind of be able to get more of you i feel like you've definitely brought me value in my personal life not only through the podcast but oh, i appreciate it um Thank just you. through everything that you've said and knowing that i'm not alone going through this in a super weird way it just it makes things better you know even if just today it, it makes things better that that it does mean a lot so i want i want to thank you personally for coming on and doing this um, and for sharing your story, because it's not easy. Um, so where can people connect with you so they can have the privilege of getting to know you like I have, um, like social media, websites, um, kind of everything? Well, I am on um, Instagram. So on Instagram, you can find me at Stay Zen Blends. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And then your website one more time. Just stayzen.org all right well i'm definitely going to put those down below and uh i sincerely thank you for coming on and for doing this and uh thank you for having me i had so much fun with you (laughs) oh no thank you and i look forward to coming on to your podcast when you do launch me too definitely Um, gotta have and i'm completely an open book so load me up with as many questions as you want and i'll keep going so watch it now because we will (laughs) all right well thank you so much for coming on (laughs) and enjoy the rest of your day thanks everybody you too take it easy